The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado. Made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 116 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for joining us once again. And we have a special podcast episode preview for Rutgers Women's Soccer headed to the College Cup Women's Soccer Final Four for the second time uh, in six years. They defeated this past weekend Arkansas in the Elite Eight, one round removed from defeating TCU. They defeated the Big 12 champion in the Sweet 16 by penalty kick shootout. Four days later, they beat the SEC champion Arkansas by shootout as well. So two dramatic, really just program-defining uh, victories for Rutgers and head coach Mike O'Neill. Uh, really was a team effort. Lots of heroes involved. Megan McClellan, the goalkeeper, just unbelievable stuff. She made eight saves um, in the game against TCU and then three consecutive penalty kick saves in the shootout. Also converting one of her own penalty kicks during that shootout. Rutgers won in seven frames, five to four with Allison Lowry, putting it away. And then this past Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, they took on SEC champion Arkansas, uh, the Razorbacks, really relentless attack in that first half. They were up 2-1 just at the 15-minute mark. They had another shot that went off the post. You know, it could have unraveled pretty quickly for the Scarlet Knights, but they recovered. The veteran team that they are uh, showed a lot of guts sticking in it. Amir Ali tied the game right before the half, played all the way through double overtime without a goal, uh, and then went to penalty kicks again. And uh, really just that experience and confidence showed. Um, Megan McClelland had a save on the first attempt by Arkansas. Another Razorback uh, hit the post. Uh, and then all four Rutgers players once again converted. Uh, it was uh, Becky uh, Fluchel. Then you had um, Amira Ali, Megan McClelland, and Riley Tiernan. Back-to-back penalty kick shootouts in a matter of a week. All four players came through and converted on penalty kicks. Um, really amazing stuff from all four of them. And Rutgers moves on to the final four. The number one seed, they did exactly what was expected of them. The Big Ten champion will now take on the ACC champion, the number one team in the country in Florida State. They only have one loss all season. No other team in the country uh, has this few. And it's going to be a tall task. Friday night, 7 o'clock, Santa Clara, California. It's going to be on ESPNU. Obviously, this Rutgers team, Big Ten regular season title, uh, lost in the Big Ten championship to Michigan. There was some talk that, you know, maybe the Big Ten was down this year. Really didn't prove to be true. Four teams made the Sweet 16. Penn State, even in a down year, made the Sweet 16. Wisconsin made it as well. Rutgers beat both of them. And then Michigan, who they beat in the regular season and lost in the Big Ten title, made it to the Elite Eight and just lost to Florida State, one to nothing in overtime. So, you know, I think that gives Rutgers confidence. They know that Michigan just gave Florida State a really tough battle. Rutgers is just as good, obviously better um, overall, a better season than Michigan. So no reason to believe they can't do it. I think the contributions of the veterans, obviously, uh, Amira Ali, 
Gabby Provenzano, who's been fantastic in the back line, Megan McClellan, the goal, frankly, Tyler Ferry in the middle. But then you have the, the freshman really stepping up. Riley Ternan uh, had four goals in the regular season. She's had four goals in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then you saw players like Kylie Daigley um, and Emily Mason make huge plays. Emily Mason made a save in the uh, or tackle in the box uh, in the first overtime that essentially saved the season. So you're seeing younger players really step up in, in ways that they hadn't during the regular season. Um, and then you have that sophomore and junior class, sophomore class. It's really been fantastic. So many contributors there as well. So really balanced team. And I think what's been encouraging in the NCAA tournament is they've been really aggressive on the counterattack, on attacking possession. This team is, is a lot less deliberate and defensive minded in the past. Their defense has still been really, really good. But the offense is just at another gear than it's been in years for this program. So really encouraging. Huge matchup on Friday night in the Final Four. The other side of the bracket is BYU and Santa Clara, both um, unseeded teams that made it. So, of course, Rutgers is on the, the side of the bracket that, that went chalk with Florida State and, and themselves. And then you have uh, two, two underdogs uh, on the other side. Of course, Santa Clara potentially uh, well, will be playing at home against BYU and potentially could be in the national championship as well. But to find out more and to talk about more about this matchup and just the season that has been for Rutgers women's soccer, we're fortunate enough to have Melanie and Zide from The Record and NorthJersey.com who covers Rutgers soccer. And we welcome her in. Now, it's now my pleasure to welcome in Melanie Anzide from The Record and NorthJersey.com, sports reporter covering soccer, former soccer player herself. Melanie, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So Rutgers Women's Soccer headed to the College Cup Final Four for the second time in six years. I know you were there for the Big Ten Championship game where they lost to Michigan one to nothing. You know, there was a lot of talk this year that the Big Ten was down. Obviously, I don't think that proved to be true. Four teams making the Sweet 16, Michigan as well making the Elite Eight. What have you seen from Rutgers that they learned from that that loss uh, that they've kind of applied and, and improved on in the NCAA tournament so far? Yeah, so one of the things that I asked Mike O'Neill, head coach Mike O'Neill, early on, was kind of about that loss and how that kind of affected the team and the players. Um, and the one thing that he said to me is that they kind of use that to kind of fuel them through the rest of the season. And, you know, they've been doing pretty good since. I guess the pressure that they experienced from having lost that, the disappointment, I guess now they come a lot stronger in the games. So when they're down, you see them pick it up really early on. I mean, in the last game just now against Arkansas, Right as soon as the game started, the um, Arkansas had two quick goals or two quick shots on the team. Um, and immediately you had a quick response where Rutgers immediately scored a goal. So, you know, that kind of turnaround and that kind of passion and fuel that they kind of gained from that loss, I think it kind of helped propel that momentum to kind of get them where they are right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think there was a stage there, maybe around the 20 minute mark against Arkansas, where it looked like it could go off the tracks a little bit. They really were relentless with their attack. But um, yeah, I think Rutgers did a great job of kind of, you know, catching a breath and, and um, being able to respond and something that they haven't done in the past, just in terms of both of those wins, uh, TCU and Arkansas to do the way they, they did in the shootout for you as a former player, I was asking, you know, how much confidence does that give them uh, heading now to the final four? I mean, just the confidence of knowing that you were in these high pressure moments before and you kind of came in with the result that you wanted. And now you're going to be in, I don't think you can get any higher pressure than what they already experienced. Right. And it's just very fascinating seeing some of these players. I mean, you think about their senior goalkeeper, Megan McClelland, right? She goes and not only does she save penalty kicks, she also scores the penalty kicks. I don't think there's any more of a high pressure 
nerve-wracking moment than doing that, especially twice in a row. So I, I think that just having known that you've done that already, it's it puts you in a good position to know that even though you are the underdog in the situation, because Florida State is the top seed right now, you've kind of come around and done the impossible before. So why not now? And talking about Florida State a little bit, number one uh, team in the country, you know, wh- what in that matchup, what do you think stands out in terms of what their strength is and how Rutgers can potentially, you know, match up against them? I think the one challenge that Rutgers has faced now with these, you know, the games have just gotten harder and harder, especially the past two games where they did go inside double overtime. I think it's hard for them when they do get outshot by the teams. I know you saw that with Arkansas, with TCU, it's, they kind of been attacked in ways that maybe they hadn't been in the past or previously in the season or even in the lead up to that game. I mean, the first two games of the tournament, they kind of outshot, I think it was 2-0 and 4-0 of the games. So, you know, having that kind of challenge, it kind of wakes them up. So I think that could be the hard the hard thing that they have to face is, you know, having to respond to a, a kind of attack that they hadn't seen previously. But they do have that way of coming around. And I mean, you see Gabby Provenzano, she plays in the back but you see her run from the back to the front just seamlessly. And, you know, you see the, the eagerness and the, the desire that they have to kind of want to make sure that even if they are being outshot, even if they are being outperformed in ways they hadn't in the past, that they're going to respond to it. And, they, and that's something that they do really well. Yeah, I think the counterattack and with uh, Riley Tiernan, you know, uh, as dominant a freshman, I think, you know, in college soccer, um, how, how much has she impressed you and her uh, – almost progression this year where she was really, you know, very assist heavy early on. And now she's, she had four goals coming into the NCAA. She already has four in the tournament so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, college sports in general are as much of a mind game as they are a physical game to watch a freshman come in and improve as much as she has. And just in this tournament, you don't, you watch her play. You don't think she's a freshman, you know, she's as solid of a member of this team as some of the seniors are at this point. And she's as vital of a role as a playmaker the confidence that she has as a player is something that stands out to me and something that I think will carry her. And, you know, even the rest of this team, even the next four years, right. So she can really lead this team in a way that she's learning a lot right now with all these big moments and these big challenges they're facing in this season. And just in terms of uh, a couple other players that are obviously key and central to the attack is uh, Amira Ali, the only three time all American in school history. And then Frankie Tagliaferri, you know, Big Ten midfielder of the year. What about their their relationship and their, I guess their connection on the field do you see as, as key for this team? You know, now that, you know, really they're in the final four, they're their best two players. It's really up to them to really step up for the moment. Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the things that's really fascinating about this team is how head coach Mike O'Neill kind of has built this culture. And it's not something that happened this year. A lot of these players have played with each other at the club level. And there, you see that now, even though there's going to be a lot of people that are watching Rutgers for the first time. Um, and, you know, to them, it might be the first time they're hearing about Rutgers soccer. But this isn't a coincidence. This is something that's kind of been brewing over the years. And that's something that Michael O'Neill and his staff has kind of been building. And you see that in the comfort level of play and the way that even despite all the high pressure moments that they're able to just, you know, stick together, push each other and kind of get through these moments. So there's this undeniable chemistry that you see even with Frankie, I mean, she's, this is her first year on the team as a transfer from their rival school, right? So Mm -hmm. something like that, she's still able to seamlessly transition and play with some girls because, you know, she's not a stranger to them. 
Yeah, I think culture gets, you know, maybe it, it almost, you know, gets overplayed sometimes. But I think in covering this team and just even at Rutgers in general, it, I don't think there's a stronger program in terms of culture and the expectations of, of all the newcomers. It's amazing how the freshman year after year come in and he always finds three or four freshmen that make an impact. Um, and obviously, aside from Riley Ternan, you have um, Emily Mason, who's really progressed throughout the year. You know, obviously, two-time national high school player of the year. Uh, didn't even start in the beginning of the year. And then you have Kylie Daigley as well. Uh, hasn't started all year. Uh, I really took over in overtime in the last game. So I guess how imp- how impressive is that? Is that in terms of his not only just culture, but just ability to develop players in the middle of a season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that says a lot. And it's also very smart to have those kinds of players that even if they aren't starting, they still have the ability to come in and, you know, be a key playmaker in overtime or in the final moments of those games and kind of with fresh legs. You know, I think you saw that um, with Allison Lowry. She kind of came in and put an attack and she kind of, you know, she woke up the offense in a way that was needed. And it's very tactical. It's very smart. And it also shows the confidence or the trust that the players have in one another to kind of have maybe a younger athlete come on the field and trust them in those key moments. So just talking about this matchup a little bit more with Florida State, uh, what do you think is really the key for Rutgers to be able to win this game? I think they have to start off strong from the beginning and kind of not let down. I mean, you know, um, I know in the past some people say maybe, you know, a second half team, a lot of teams, you know, come and play in the second half. But I feel like at this level, at this high stakes of a game, you kind of can't wait till the last minute. You have to start off strong. You have to stay strong. So I think if we see that in the beginning with Rutgers, then there's a very good chance that maybe they'll be there in the final on Sunday. And just briefly talking about the other side of the bracket, it's a BYU versus Santa Clara. Uh, you know, of course, Santa Clara, the tournament being played there would be an advantage if, if they did make the final um, in front of their, you know, on their home field. Uh, how much, you know, I guess, what should fans know about those two teams? I, I think that all of these teams have so much experience being in this moment, in this college cup. I, I feel like Rutgers might be at a disadvantage just slowly that, I mean, I was looking at their schedule and they haven't been away in, I think, six weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think no matter who they play, it's just a disadvantage because they're not a year sack. So I think that all of these teams are strong. All of these teams have a good attack. So It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, at this in soccer, the beauty of it is that anyone can win a game. It doesn't matter who's the underdog, who's the winner. Anything can happen in 90 minutes. So it'll be interesting to see how they show up at the beginning of those matches. Melanie and Zide, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your insight and uh, for all your coverage uh, with the Final Four. You can uh, find her uh, on Twitter at uh, Melanie and Zide. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks again to Melanie and Zide for her insight on Rutgers women's soccer. It was great to talk to her about this Final Four matchup coming up this Friday, 7 p.m. on ESPNU, taking place in Santa Clara, California. We'll also be back with another episode this week, talking with Jerry Carino uh, of the Asbury Park Press. Uh, Obviously, Rutgers basketball, men's basketball, off to a really frustrating and disappointing start. And we're going to have him here candidly to discuss what's gone wrong, what we think about the the outlook for this team moving forward the rest of this season. We'll also have future guests and focus on football in future episodes later this month. If you follow onthebanks.com, we have plenty of postseason coverage, uh, recapping what went right, what went wrong, the outlook, optimism, reasons for optimism, pessimism, 
Uh, we'll have uh, Big Ten honors are coming out this week as well. Uh, so lots of football coverage on the site itself. Follow us on thebanks.com, OTB underscore SB Nation on Twitter. Really wanted to focus on women's soccer. We'll have more coverage coming out later this week. And then we'll have the podcast episode with Jerry Carino focusing on basketball here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.